1: This is the Proud American Podcast, and I'm your host, Johnny Joey Jones. This podcast brings you stories and interviews with some of what I consider to be the proudest Americans we can find, most of which are my friends, and all of which have stories that inspire us to make the world a better place. Politics has become perhaps the most intense team sport in our country, but differing political opinions often divide us. But in this case, in the case of today's guest, Having conversations about politics has brought an important friendship into my life and brought us together, and one I'm happy to share with you. Gotham Chopra is a documentary filmmaker. Growing up in Boston, he became an avid sports fan, and after starting his career with Channel One News covering the war in the Middle East, he became one of the most highly regarded sports documentary filmmakers in the country. With films focusing on stars like the late and great Kobe Bryant and his good friend Tom Brady. Gotham has made a career out of reminding Americans that sports truly is a place to celebrate this country and the incredible stories behind the athletes we love to cheer on and sometimes boo. Gotham, thanks for coming on.
0: Thanks for having me, man. It's—I mean, we we have this conversation a lot. I know on social media, so it's it's nice to sort of bring it bring it wider. I'm <laughs> looking forward to it.
1: Well, on that, do you mind if we talk more maybe about you and your impact rather than the politics that we're going to argue about anyway? (laughs) Sure, I'm not sure anything. (laughs) So, you know, this first question is obvious, but I think it sets the tone for so many things about you. Why is it that sports are such a passion for you? Hmm. Well,
0: look, I've, I'm a huge sports fan, as you know, and I'm, as you say in the intro, I'm a mass hole. That's how we affectionately call <laughs> ourselves. Um, but, you know, by the way, I haven't lived in Massachusetts since I was 18 years old. So I've now lived, you know, quite substantially more than half my life outside of the place. And yet I still very much identify as a diehard Red Sox and Patriots, Bruins and Celtics fan. <laughs> and I think for me, you know, as much as I love sports, Sports is also, it was my cultural assimilation. I'm first generation American. So my my parents and my whole family are all immigrants. I was the first person born outside of the South Asian subcontinent. And so for me, you know, part of being an American was being a Celtics fan in the 80s when I grew up and they were really good or, you know, the Red Sox fan, which at the time, you know, cursed um, (laughs) franchise even at Bruins you know in Boston like I'd say the Bruins are the most blue collar team uh, of them all and so that was something that you really identified with so as much as it was like about celebrating sports and you know everything sports represents and you know this is like now everything I do in the company I started like to me sports is about community it was as a fan you become part of something greater than yourself and then you know like my athletic prowess never really sort of um, <laughs> surpassed high school. But even in high school, I went to a predominantly, I went to an all boys school. It was predominantly, um, you know, Catholic and, you know, it wasn't easy. I was like one of very few minorities in, in my class. But I think when I started playing sports, when I started playing, you know, I, I was a football, baseball, basketball guy, you know, on the, on the field, your just and you're a guy, like you're part of the team. You are held accountable for success and failure. Nobody's like sitting there judging you or, you know, your cultural background, your ethnic background. It's like, okay, like, what's your role on the team? And I think, so I, I learned a lot through sports just growing up.
1: No, I, I can identify with that in so many ways. I, I have the size and stature, but I don't have any of the coordination. And as a young kid, I didn't have any of the what we call kind of football IQ. I didn't have the understanding of the game. And so th- I was never going to be a, a college athlete. But watching them inspired me to go up, show up to practice every day and be on that team and pull my part. And um, and it's really, I tell people all the time, high school football is the only reason I was able to be a good Marine. Um, yeah. And ultimately, what I think, a pretty good American.
0: Well, I think, you know, I know you and I, another thing we both have in common is we have young men, you know, I think your son is also 13, right? It's almost the exact same age.
1: Yeah, they're really close. He's almost 12.
0: Okay. So mine just turned 13. And, you know, one thing I I talk about all the time is like, look, I don't know about your son, but my son is not, like, he's not going to be, he plays (laughs) basketball. He's not going to be Steph Curry or LeBron James, but the reason we put our kids Hopefully most of us put our kids in sports programs is not because we believe they're going to be some Hall of Famer, but because of what they learn about accountability, about failure and resilience and getting up when you get knocked down and, you know, being accountable to your teammates and showing up even when you're not like in the best mood or you know, and and I I just like they learned this past year. Listen, as much as I was desperate to get my kid back in school, we're in California, and the way the pandemic has been handled has been like with extreme sort of uh, <laughs> isolation and social distance and stuff like that. Of course, I wanted to get my kid back into school, but I also just want, I was so desperate to get him back on the court. And yeah. he does Taekwondo, so back in the dojo and just all of that because I just feel like so much of what he's learned even to deal with the pandemic and about okay how are we going to climb out of this thing how what have we learned you you just learn that in ex- by experience you know when you're competing
1: you know i, had a, I was going to kind of go in a different direction here but i like this topic you know so much of what you just said and i'd I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but so much of what you just said, I think is what somebody like myself will go. Oh yeah, that's that's real conservative principles there, right? Like, you know, you learn responsibility and, and all, all these things that teamwork builds in you. But I think that the juxtaposition to that, or not even that, I think the other side of that coin that I'm very aware of that is not as maybe politically charged is like I, with my son, I want him to learn empathy and I want him to learn to understand someone else. And I want him to learn, that the person you like least on maybe your team is somebody you need to invest in and bring the best out in them. And it's like we, we have this tendency to throw politics into things. And I don't mean like the headlines of sports, but I mean just like how we view things. And really, it, sports is a great example of how that political circle really does go all the way around. And it is all these aspects in life that are important. And, and in my opinion, I think your sports is a great venue to exercise and learn them.
0: Yeah, I mean look, I think sports is an incredible platform. You know, sports is inclusive and it's um it's you know, under the best circumstances, of course, it's a um you know, it's it's about what you produce. It's a meritocracy, right? Like you yeah. if you produce, you play and um, but I also look sports as also it 's a language, and of course, like it invites controversy and you know sports is a language <laughs> through which we talk about social justice now, yeah. or we have historically, I think because of social media it 's so much more you know in your face and it 's you know emotional and comb- it can be combative and stuff like that, but you know everything that i mean this is the name of my company as you know is called religion of sports because everything we talk about in whether it's philosophical traditions cultural traditions religious traditions exists in sports right like whether it's politics and the things that we you know the things that are most important to us like our morality and our ethics and and we all have different ones or it's human potential or it's about you know community and and diversity it all exists in sports you don't have to believe in it You just have to participate in it. And, um, you know, that's what I love. I I always say, not only is sports a religion, but it's better because, you know, I don't have to, it doesn't require faith. It requires participation. Show up, you know, and and by the way, like miracles happen. We witness it on a. Pretty much like every weekend, or even last night, you know, Steph Curry scored another 49 points last night and (laughs) beat the Philadelphia 76ers. It was, and I truly believe this, and I've had the, you know, privilege to work really closely with guys like Steph and Tom Brady and LeBron. And it's like, you sometimes, like when you're watching them play, you're witness to, you know, the best of. I'm actually working the best example of this, I would say, is like Simone Biles, who I'm working with right now.
1: Oh, wow. I'm jealous. (laughs) She's so awesome.
0: It's unbelievable. Like, it's the best of what human beings are are capable of. Um, There's something mythical about sports. So you can tell I'm I'm a true believer.
1: I um I do know you're a true believer, and I'll get to why I know you're a true believer later. I kind of buried the lead on purpose here a little bit. And so we'll move away from that topic for just a brief moment, because I think there's something else about you that I find interesting, and I don't know that a lot of people have pointed out to you, but like you said, or a lot of people may not. You have access to sports and people that, quote unquote, regular Americans may not have. But from what I understand, you weren't a superstar athlete yourself. You weren't on the precipice of, of you know, a million dollar contract. So do you think that that kind of juxtaposition in your own life allows you to see through a lens that most sports fans see through rather than perhaps an insider or a former pro athlete, which is what we get on most of our sports shows and talking about sports to us?
0: Oh, for sure. You know, I I do have the... The privilege, like I said, of working with elite athletes, you know, Simone right now, Tom Brady, LeBron, Steph Curry, Kobe back in the day. Um, But I always come at it from like, (laughs) I don't see it. You know, Tom, who I've become, you know, pretty close to and really good friends with, you know, we occupy completely different perspectives. He has sat at the epicenter, right, of of sports, like the, if you call it the religion of sports, like he's been sort of like in the middle of the Vatican. I have been, (laughs) you know, the sort of visitor standing behind the red ropes, you know, and admiring (laughs) from afar. But, you know, I think like when you're an athlete and you're an elite athlete or even just, you know, a, a amateur athlete, but really passionate and really good at it, you, I think you can talk about this from like, peak potential and you know we have these expressions like you know in the zone and what it's like it's almost like a spiritual experience when you're playing at your best i come at it from a different perspective which is like i said earlier is you know what does it mean to be part of something bigger than yourself i know you know this as a you know georgia bulldogs fan i know this (laughs) as like i said a celtics or bruins fans like when you go to those games and for those three hours you're in that stadium you know, you're part of something, you're part of a congregation, you're part of a community. And by the way, that community, you know, includes people of every walk of life, yeah. every ethnicity, every lifestyle, every socioeconomic class. And for those three hours, you're, you're aligned. You know, that's something, you know, people ask me all the time, like, oh, you you work so closely, you've seen so much, you have all this great access. Do you still, like, are you still a fan? I'm like, you know, now more than ever. I still, like, at night, like, flip around and just, like, look for something to watch. And I don't even need to be a huge fan of the team. You know, I can watch, like, a Memphis Grizzlies game versus Indiana Pacers. I just love basketball. I love competition.
1: I didn't get the chance to experience basketball, so I don't have that passion. But I can tell you that going to a high school basketball game – in person is some of the is some of the most energy i've ever felt from in that case just a couple thousand people
0: well joe you turned me on i was never a you know a racing guy and i went to my (laughs) first ever nascar uh race with you and i tell people all the time i'm like when those cars come around that bend uh, (laughs) after they do their warm-up race and it's like okay now it's gonna start it's it's myth it was mythical like you could feel it in your soul <laughs> like you know it was like the only other thing i've ever experienced um that was like watching the space shuttle launch it felt like oh, yeah. otherworldly like oh my god Which this is, is. <laughs> yeah. yeah and again it's like it's about human potential like we're capable of this these cars coming those how many is like 40 cars coming moving at that speed that close together it's, it's, it was like a dream. And, and I've, I mean, I can't say I've like turned into a huge NASCAR guy, but yeah, <laughs> I'll be like flipping around and be like, Oh yeah, I'll watch this, you know? Um, and that was one experience, the dirt track that you took me to. Um, that was another like, you know, cause I always sort of describe it as, you know, going to a NASCAR race again, it was like going to the Vatican, like seeing these incredible machines and these, you know, the best in class racers, the dirt track was like, the community church. Like, yeah. oh, I can like go sit in the pew. <laughs> I can go like talk, you know, to the racers and feel the cars like, Oh wow. Like this is a completely different experience.
1: No. And that, that's such a great analogy. And I think I said, I buried the lead. So I think what we'll tell the yeah. audience is I was able to be a part of the, I guess, inaugural or premiere episode yeah. of religion of sports, which is a, just a fantastic series. And I, I, Imagine you're still going strong with that, are you guys still making episodes on that?
0: We are still, yeah, I mean, you know, as is the the business that's gyrated <laughs> and different things, but we do it in kind of more short form content. And you know, it that show evolved into an entire company under which we produce like a lot of different content. So, yeah. And
1: just to just to tell people, so basically you guys go and you show a sport. It can be a world sport or a regional sport. But you show a sport like NASCAR or baseball or football or soccer, and you kind of show it from the cultural and fan impact, kind of just how from the top athlete to the kid that's pushing, in the case of NASCAR, maybe Hot Wheels around his floor, and just how it's all connected and, and does have kind of a religion to it.
0: Yeah, you know, and that's probably been one one of the things I love about that show and what that show's allowed us to do is look, we do things as you know, you know, follow Tom Brady across a football season or Steph Curry basketball season, like the big huge sports, but that show in particular has allowed us to really go deep on like more niche, you know, sports. So we did an episode a couple of years ago on the all blacks, which is the rugby team down in New Zealand, which is like unprecedented in their success. Um, we've done stuff on like sort of more regional soccer clubs. You know, we did one in Germany that's based on, you know, or made up of all immigrants. Um, there's a motorcycle race in, um, England, um, that is incredible just like in terms of like, you know, the tradition, the history. So just been able to go deeper on more obscure sports with, you know, tighter fan communities and stuff like that. And just, I've always been like, you don't need to love this sport to appreciate, you know, this community, the people who do it, the people who follow it. And so that's been, you know, one of the great, again, it's like sports is sort of the, the funnel or the frame, but it's really about, human beings it's about people and it's about
1: communities so um really enjoyed working on that for the last few years i think what what makes sports so unique and i think about this in a lot of things in life is and i don't know why i get hung up on this but the difference between things we have to do and need to do and must do and the things we just simply choose to do and the amount of effort we put in each of those like for example fashion fashion doesn't mean anything to me and it took me a long time to appreciate the fact people can be passionate about fashion because in my opinion it's like the most needless thing in the world it's peacocking mm-hmm. but but you're also making things with your hands and and creating things and and you're expressing yourself and so after some maturity and age I I learned to understand why that's so important but with sports it's like even deeper because it's not just something you do it's something you you grow and evolve with and like you said, there's a whole community connected to it. And I just think that's really an amazing part of the human experience is to be that involved in something we just simply choose to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, sports is a universal language. I'd say there's very few things. Sports maybe music are the two that I, yeah. I agree with you on fashion. It's not really been a personal passion of mine, but I I can appreciate it now. But I would say sports and music, even if you're not into them, you recognize the power of them. Everybody has in their family somebody who's a diehard sports fan or, you know, people – Actually, it's one of the great things about our company, Religion of Sports, is like oftentimes, you know, I'll start to describe not like the company, but like the thesis behind the company. And people will always talk me short and be like, no, no, trust me, I get it. I grew up a Bulldogs <laughs> fan. Or no, trust me, I grew up in Glasgow. I understand the rivalry between Celtic and Rangers. Oh, man, like there's nothing like it in the world. So, you know, there's no place I think you can go on the planet where either, you know, FC Barcelona versus Real Madrid, probably the the most powerful, the biggest rivalry in the history of sports, right? Like these are two of the most valuable sports franchises, institutions on the planet that have this historic rivalry um, that transcends sports. That's one version of it. But I've also had the privilege of traveling around the world. Like there's really you go to a rural part of Nepal or Tibet or Colombia there's a soccer pitch, you know, like there's, there's a cricket field, there's a basketball hoop. Um, there's a racetrack sports is ubiquitous. Wherever you go on the planet, people believe in it. So, um, you know, it's, it's, and it's one, I remember, I, I don't know if we're going to talk about it, but back when I, you mentioned in the beginning when I was a war correspondent and I used to go to places like, you know, Afghanistan or Chechnya, Look, people have, you know, just like the worst sort of rivalries and hate feuds that go back generations. I can't even remember like why they're fighting anymore. But you know, the thing you can talk about in all of those places is Messi or Ronaldo better. You know, <laughs> is you know Michael Jordan the the greatest of all time? Um, you know, were the bad boys? Did you love them or hate them? You know, that's back in the day when I used to do that. People. These, this was a language that everyone could talk about and sort of commune over. And, uh, you know, there's not much that's like I said, I think it's that and music um, are the
1: two things that sort of transcend everything. I agree. I do. And, and, you know, we're so blessed in this country to have so many sports that we can be a part of. But I think that the the language is universal. You're a part of this team. It's a part of your identity. And your mood and how you see life can hinge on its success and failures. And then, you know, in the mainstream and then for other teams that have never seen good, you know, big success, but the, the passion's still there. I think that's because it's a part of their identity. And, and we believe in ourselves and we believe in our, you know, quote unquote, people, whether we're always successful or not. And I think that's an American thing. I think that's a part of being a proud American as far as as far as that's something that we decided to make a part of our culture. Yeah,
0: yeah, I I agree. Look, uh, <laughs> I'm not one of those people who says you know sports are um, a sanctuary away from. I mean, we've seen it. You know, you and I have talked about it at length, and you know, I think we actually they'll probably have a lot of the. We have different opinions, but we recognize that sports is also a place where we can talk about you know social justice, and we can talk. We did a you know, one of the projects I'm most proud of um, over the last few years is something called Shut Up and Dribble, um, which was, <laughs> you know, with LeBron James and basically LeBron, how he uses the platform he's built and all the fame that he's built as a place to talk about social justice. And by the way, he's by far not the first. He's just like probably the most prominent athlete of this generation that does it. But this, you know, that's what the whole series was about, going back to, you know, Muhammad Ali and Craig Hodges and Bill Russell and all these other people. And, and you know, we've seen Billie Jean King and others do it. So I actually think sports is it can be polarizing. And that's OK, by the way. <laughs> like, you know, I'm not one who sort of says, no, like sports is a place where we put everything aside. We may in the course of a three hour competition. But you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on outside of those three hours, and that's okay. You know, sports is a language by which we can talk about it.
1: it Thanks for that's
0: unique in America. That is very, you know, and to your show, I'm I'm proud of that. That that makes me that we can sort of celebrate our differences, talk about the things that sort of trouble us most through this language. It is pretty unique to America.
1: No, I think I agree, and and I, like you said. Whether or not we agree on the path, a lot of times we agree on the destination, which is to make this country a better place with our own impact and and hopefully a better place for our kids. And and just to encourage people to listen to each other, I think is the big thing. And that's what we're doing right now. Um, And and I think, you know, you said, I think one thing sports does in the political arena is it gives us our best analogies. Like I, I always laugh when someone You know, I'm with Fox and someone on Fox uses a sports analogy and I get it. And I'm like, oh, I got that. I don't know that game, but I get that analogy. And now I'm thinking more about what they have to say. But, you know, we I say we were kind of skirt around politics because that's not the purpose of this. The purpose of this is really understand who you are and why you put so much of your life into this and what the impact you think it is to the people around you and ultimately the people to get to see what it is you do. And so from that end, you know, what do you think the impact that you're leaving either on the country or sports in general, what do you think that impact is?
0: Well, I mean, again, I I look at sports probably mainly through two different lenses. So one is about human potential. What are we capable of? And, you know, I think sports is a great place in terms of teaching us lessons. And so, you know, one of the consistent themes i found – with working with a lot of athletes is none of them talk really about their physical attributes. You know, you don't talk to LeBron James and he tells you how great he is. And, you know, actually all of them will tell you, well, there's there's someone out there who's bigger, stronger, faster than me. <laughs> yeah. You know, what separates me is mental focus, mental toughness, yeah. um, resilience, uh, ability to overcome failure, et cetera. And so, look, those are things I will never be six foot eight and be able to be <laughs> able to run like a four point three forty or something like that. Um, but, you know, what? I'm pretty tough, like, you know, or I, you know, can learn the skill sets. I know how to deal with failure. Um, you know, you look at Simone Biles, who's probably the most accomplished um, gymnast in the history of America, and she will be probably after this um, coming Olympics. But when you look back at her life story and what she's overcome from her childhood, you know, to obviously all the um, abuse that's gone on within U.S. um, gymnastics, it's unbelievable. It's inspiring. So, like, being able to tell those stories, um, I think it's inspiring. It's, the you know, I don't expect my, like I was saying earlier, my kid to sort of be... Uh, world-class athlete but i expect him to understand what it looks like to lose and to get yourself back up and go at it again that's what i try to that's kind of the storytelling um yeah and then i'd say you know on the other side of that is like everything we've been talking about in this podcast is like hey i don't you don't need to sort of you know align politically culturally ethnically racially everything but you know what you do need to respect this person because we're all part of the same team. We all have the same goal in terms of, like you said, creating a better world for our children. doesn't mean we have to agree on everything, but it means we have to be united in purpose. It's winning the championship, you know? And and I think that's, again, something we try to constantly communicate through our storytelling. And so, you know, I was always raised um, with my parents to like, of service like that doesn't mean you can't be successful it can't mean like you know you can't make money or, or you should feel guilty about that but there always has to be an element of service to it like what are you contributing what are you putting back um like i said my parents were immigrants they came to this country not just to like um to you know reap the the rewards of being american and to live the american dream but also to contribute and be a part of something and so we were always raised that way and and I try to do that like you know with the work so
1: hopefully with some some success I think uh success is not something that you have to worry about I think um finding the next amazing story is probably the biggest stress for you because the things that you put out there really are um inspirational and and they tell a story I think that um anyone could enjoy um from Tom versus Time to your your film on Kobe Bryant to the things you're working on now, uh, religion of sports has been one of my favorite things to watch. I don't get to watch a lot of it anymore because I'm always working, but, um, but I would, I'm proud to say that the NASCAR episode is probably your best. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs>
0: probably one of my, my favorite. I mean, one, it was the, f- um, one of the first, Oh no, it was the first. And two, honestly, this relationship, this friendship has sort of, uh, came from it. And and that means a lot to me. Um, Just, I mean, honestly, Joey, because we're so different. I talk about (laughs) it all the time, you know, to people. And even, like, through this past year or, you know, the election, like, for me, it was really, uh, I think it's probably pretty obvious to most of your audience, like, you know, where (laughs) I stand politically, et cetera. But, you know, I, and I do, I live in a what do we call it? The, the, um, echo chamber. And so for me, (laughs) you know, you were on the other side, not just on Twitter, but, you know, texting, calling you up and be like, help me understand. (laughs) Like, and it was, it was really helpful. It, it gave me, I don't know, a peace of mind when, when,
1: you know, everything else
0: felt almost like a lot of hysteria. So
1: well, you're you're an invaluable friend to me, and it really has meant a lot to share you with my audience. And um, I hope, if nothing else, this gives people cause to check out some of the things you've done and understand that uh, there are people out there that that you're on the same side of one passion with that you may not be on the same side of another. And that's about as American as apple pie. So I think that's an important thing to to remind folks. And I think you you've done a great job helping me remind my audience of just that.
0: Thanks. Well, I love, you know, these conversations. I'm grateful to be here and uh, with you on this. And yeah, I
1: look forward to the next time we'll chat. Well, thanks so much for coming on. I I look forward to seeing what's next. And uh, is there any call to action that people can look you up or look up what you're doing or something you'd like to leave people with?
0: You know, the thing that we just released most recently is a podcast actually called Crushed, which, you know, it's available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It's actually about the 98 home run chase, you know, um, Maguire, Sosa, and then of course like steroids and, you know, the sort of revelation, but I'd say it's, you know, on the one hand it's about that. On the other hand, it's about everything we've talked about. It's about cheating and what do we call, you know, what's most important to us and heroes. Um, it's, it's. The host is a a, a woman named um, Joan Neeson. She was 10 years old, grew up as a diehard uh, St. Louis Cardinals fan, so she a big Maguire fan at that moment. She was 10 years old in 1998, and now as a sports journalist, she's going back and sort of trying to sort of pull it apart and understand what happened. And, you know, it became a catalyst for her to actually become a sports reporter. So, again, the type of, you know, we're breaking into um, podcasting and, type of storytelling we've done, but I'm really proud of it and trying to get as many people as possible to listen and subscribe and comment and all that.
1: Well you guys heard it. It's called Crust and it's a podcast available where podcasts are available. So uh Gotham thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate you, man. Likewise, man. I believe that the many flavors of people, geography, and even culture in this country is what makes America special and a big part of why I'm so proud to be an American myself. One of those diverse but still important aspects of our culture is our love for sports and teams. Gotham is a daily reminder in my life that other opinions matter, and finding a shared love with those folks that are just like us is invaluable in being a proud American. To hear more stories like this, visit foxnewspodcast.com and be sure to check back next week for a brand-new Proud American story. I'm Johnny Joey Jones. Thank you guys for listening.